Hi, and welcome to the Global Changemakers course on menstruation, sexual and reproductive health. This is episode 9, where we talk about the endocrine system. Hello everyone and welcome to this lesson. If you've made it this far, obviously congratulations and I hope you're really enjoying this course on menstruation and sexual reproductive health. Now on today's lesson, we will be learning about another important system, which is the endocrine system. The next slide, as you can see, the endocrine system and my name is Huizone Danki Tebe. So today we'll be understanding the meaning of a hormone and the endocrine system. We will further go on to mention the different types of endocrine glands and identify where they are localized in the body, that localization. Then we will go on further to understand the function of the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland and the ovaries, especially because they are literally related to what the essence of what this course is about. Then we will go on to mention some diseases that result from hormonal imbalances and or dysfunctions. So let's get straight into the lesson. But before we even go further, who am I? My name is Huito Netankitebe, as I've mentioned, and I have been a member of the Global Changemaker since 2019 when I participated at the Global Youth Summit in Switzerland. And I am a sixth-year medical student at the Latin American School of Medicine in Cuba. In terms of the sustainable development goals, I'm very passionate about them. And I've gone a little bit further to actually found a nonprofit organization in my home country in Botswana called the Leader Unleashed, which aims to empower the youth of my country through skills development. So what is a hormone? A hormone is a chemical messenger that is secreted into the bloodstream, directly into the bloodstream, in order to influence the action of a particular organ known as a target site. So then what is an endocrine gland? The endocrine gland will then be a ductless organ that produces and secretes those hormones directly into the bloodstream so that they can reach that target site and carry out that function. These are the two most important components of the endocrine system. So you have what is being produced and secreted, which is the hormone, and you have then the very organ that produces it and ensures that it reaches the other organ. So we can say that this is a communication system. One of the communication systems that our bodies have in order to let um, the body know what it should do. So let's go on right to the next slide where we'll be then finding out what are the different plans then. And it is very important to understand that in our body, we do have the endocrine system, which is what we're talking about today, but we also have another type of glands called the exocrine gland. We won't be touching on those. We'll be solely focusing on the endocrine system. Now, when we, we have two images here as shown on the presentation, one of a female and one of a male. So on the, we'll start with the uh, male. It starts from the head all the way down to the feet, if you'd say, and it starts with a gland known as the penile gland. Now, it is a P-shaped-like gland that secretes one of the hormones known as uh, melatonin. But we won't go deeply into the hormones because in the next slide, we will touch on that. But for now, we'll see that just right below it, we have the pituitary gland and the hypothalamus. Then as you go down towards the neck region, you have the thyroid and the parathyroid gland. Then you have another one, another gland called the thymus. When you go even further down, now reaching the abdominal area, you have the pancreas, then you have the adrenal glands, which are found on top of the kidneys. Then you go down towards the testicle, where you will have uh, another gland, which is a sexual reproductive gland in the male. Now, when you move on to the female, similarly, you have the penile gland, 
the pituitary gland and the hypothalamus, the thyroid and the parathyroid gland around the neck, the thymus, the pancreas, the adrenal glands, but then in the sexual reproductive area, you have the ovaries. And then you have another gland there that's called, um, that's shown that's written placenta, but that one is specific for pregnancy. So normally the uterus will not have any organ called the placenta. Only during pregnancy we will see the placenta being formed and secreting certain hormones in the female. But normally the only sexual reproductive uh, gland that we have in the female is the ovary. So now let's go on to the next slide where we'll be touching then on the different hormones that are produced by these different glands. Now, the endocrine system is very complex, but this graph tries to really simplify it for us and show us the gland and what hormone it actually produces. So when we start, we go down in the graph, we see that we have um, a part that's written the adrenal medulla. Now, the adrenal medulla, the adrenal glands, as we have seen in the previous slide, has two parts. We have the adrenal medulla, then we have the adrenal cortex. The adrenal medulla produces what is known as epinephrine. Epinephrine, guys, is what we call in the body the flight or fight hormone. It basically um, gets us to respond to certain situations, similar stress, um, and so on. But we won't be going deep into what exactly the different hormones do because we'll be touching on our three main hormones which are directly related to the cause. Then it also produces uh, norepinephrine. Then we have the adrenal cortex which produces the mineral corticoids and the glucocorticoids. This is where we have a hormone such as cortisol, which is a very, very important hormone in our body. Then we have the pineal gland, as I was talking about uh, just now, which produces melatonin, which is related to our sleep. It actually, it's a hormone that helps us know when to sleep, when to wake up, and as such, it is very important in controlling, um, helping to control in our body a, a good rhythm of sleep. Then we have the testes, which produces testosterone. As I've mentioned, that it is in the male body. It is the sexual reproductive uh, gland there in the male body, which produces testosterone. Then we have the hypothalamus. Now, the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland are very, very closely related, and they work hand in hand, producing what is known in our body as feedback loops. So the hormones that are produced in the hypothalamus go on to actually stimulate the production and the release of the hormones that are in the pituitary gland. That is why you see that in this graph, you have the hypothalamus, then it directly goes down to the uh, anterior pituitary gland and the posterior pituitary gland. The pituitary gland has two lobes, which we will see and um, expand on a little bit further. But for now, I want you to understand that it has the anterior part lobe and the posterior lobe. Now, in the anterior lobe, we have hormones that are produced, which is the growth hormone, prolactin, the thyroid stimulating hormone, which is TSH, ACTH, which is the adrenocorticotropic hormone. Then it goes on to produce the follicle stimulating hormone, FSH, and the luteinizing hormone, which is LH. Now, the follicle stimulating hormone and the luteinizing hormone are two hormones which are actually very important for the ovaries. And we'll see on later on when we expand a little bit more on the ovaries as a gland. Now, the posterior pituitary uh, part produces, uh, or rather, it stores, because these particular um, hormones are actually produced directly in the hypothalamus. Then they are then secreted into the, pituitary, the posterior pituitary lobe where they are stored and then secreted to the, the target site from the pituitary gland. So here we have 
ADH, which is the antidiuretic hormone, which is sometimes known as vasopressin. Then we also have um, another hormone, which is known as oxytocin. Now, oxytocin is a very important, important hormone when it comes to the process of pregnancy, childbirth, and also important for the breast area where in terms of secreting breast milk, but it is also sometimes known as one of the affection hormones because it actually helps with bonding. Um, it is actually, it participates in somewhat way in the process of um, sexual intercourse. So it's a very important hormone, a very necessary one also for the body. Then we continue on to the other hormones, in this case, directly the ovary, which produces progesterone and estrogen. Then we have the parathyroid gland, which produces PTH. Basically, PTH is the parathyroid hormone. And it is sometimes known as parathyrin. So it has different names, but it is commonly known as PTH, which is the parathyroid gland. Sorry for that. Now, when we go on, we go on to the thyroid gland, which produces T3 and T4. They are commonly known uh, for the abbreviation, which is three, T3 and T4. But T4 is the thyroxine gland. And then T3 is a triodothyronine gland. Then we have the pancreas, which through its different cells, either beta or alpha, then goes on to produce insulin and glucagon. These are very two vital, important hormones necessary in metabolism and just that's when now we have diseases. We should talk a little bit further about when we have too much or too little of a particular hormone. There are certain um, diseases or syndromes that actually come about because of this. Now, we're just directly going to move on to the next slide where we will be touching a little bit on this. Now, I want us before we even go a little bit deeper on the different hormones that we'll be touching on to go on and look at the general functions of these hormones. Now, as I've mentioned a little bit, for example, with the pancreas, they are important for metabolism of food items, breaking them down to, to nutrients and then going further now to make sure that they are able to be used by our cells. So metabolism is another important function of the hormones. Then development and growth. We actually have a hormone that is called the growth hormone. So you can actually tell that it, our growth in the body is very much influenced by hormones. And then development... Um, for example, now going on to the third point, which is the sexual and the reproductive growth and health in our bodies. We have testosterone and then we have the progesterone and estrogen as produced by our sexual um, glands in the bodies, depending on the male or the female body. Then we have maintenance of body temperature and thirst. And then also, as we have seen, that there is the maintenance of sleep as well, resulting in a very important function called, known as homeostasis. Now, homeostasis basically means ensuring that our body is within certain limits that are optimum and necessary for us to actually have good health. So our body temperature, in as much as we cannot have our body being too cold or too hot, we need it right there at a certain temperature, which would be 36 degrees Celsius to 37 degrees Celsius. And that is the right temperature that our body needs. So basically hormones help to create those optimum conditions for our body. And that whole process, that whole conditioning of our body is known as homeostasis. Then it has another important function, the hormones, known as the cognitive function and our moods. As we've mentioned, uh, some hormones such as oxytocin are very important for our moods. They're known as a bonding hormones, which create 
uh, help in the function of affection and just you know having a good mood and so on and so hormones actually have that important function of working on that in our body now this is the generalized function as you might have uh, seen that each hormone then when you go deeper into it it will have its own specific function that will be related to these uh, i'd say five main functions of the hormones in the body now um, let us continue on to the next slide and continue touching on these very important um, objectives that we have for our lesson. Now, examples of diseases caused by hormonal imbalances or dysfunctions. dysfunctions. Now, I think before going on to the few examples that I've listed there, it is very important to understand that the hormonal imbalances are ba basically mean that if I have too little of a particular hormone in my body, something will be wrong. If I have too much of a particular hormone in my body, similarly, something will be wrong. And so these conditions come about because of these um, situations when I have too much or too little of a particular hormone. So, for example, the first example that I have here is diabetes mellitus. Basically, it is exactly related to insulin. If I have too little insulin in my body or my cells are unable to respond to the function of insulin or to the stimulus of insulin, insulin as we said the endocrine system is basically all about communication and so if insulin is unable to communicate with my cells to let it know that i need um my blood glucose is either high and something needs to be done then that is when diabetes comes about in in a, in a more simplified version because it's a, very, a disease that is quite um complex and has its particularities but in essence that is what it is about that if i have too little of insulin my cells are unable to produce insulin or my cells are unable to respond to the stimulus of insulin, then this is when this disease comes about. Similarly, hypothyroidism. If my thyroid are not producing enough of the T3 and the T4, then obviously I'm going to have a problem. And that particular disease, is that, disease that arises will be known as hypothyroidism. Then we have another one known as the polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is directly related to the ovaries. If this, the hormones that I'm producing in the ovaries are, are not enough or they are too much, then the ovary is unable to actually then realize its particular function, which is very closely related to menstruation, which we will touch on and expand on a little bit further in this lesson. Then we have this syndrome coming about. And this syndrome is actually even related to, uh, goes on to be related to um, another important issue which is fertility infertility but we will talk on a little bit about that as we go on so that you really see what goes on in the ovary and how then it goes on to touch on certain topics like this and the beautiful part is that through this course you will actually see one of the lessons that are actually um involved in this Now, going on to the three lengths that I mentioned that we will be touching on specifically, the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, and the ovaries. Let's get right into it. Um, Sarah, I'm going to stop it a little bit here. Uh, please let me know if there's any background noise, because I do realize that I do have a bit of background noise, and I don't want it to be yes. interrupting the lesson. Yes, So. Right. Uh -huh. So I'm going to uh, pause it a little bit just to, to wait it out a little bit and then I'll continue with the lesson. Okay.
just let me know with the frame if I'm good in the frame and then yes it's okay Uh -huh. Now, the first hormone gland, rather, that we're going to touch on is the hypothalamus. Now, the hypothalamus, as I've touched a little bit on the, what hemostasis means, now, homeostasis, rather. is and as you can see there it is intended to keep the body in a constant condition a state that is stable and optimum for us to function so here you can see oh god i'm so sorry i feel like there's so much background noise and it's really no now, the first land that we're going to touch on is the hypothalamus. Now, we talked a little bit about homeostasis when we're dealing with the general functions of the endocrine system. And here we see the hypothalamus, which is actually very important and very directly involved in ensuring that our, the human body is stable and in a constant condition. Now, here is an image of our brain, our face, and then you can really try to go in and see um, to find the direct localization of the hypothalamus. Now, the hypothalamus, as you can see, they're labeled. It is right above the pituitary gland because, as I said, they're very much directly involved and um, they work hand in hand. And so they are below, both of them are below the cerebrum, which is basically the two hemispheres of the brain. And then you will see that we also have other structures, the brainstem, the cerebellum, and the spinal cord, which are just very important structures in the central nervous system. But today we'll be just focusing on the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus, as we have already mentioned, produces two important um, hormones that are then stored in the posterior lobe of the pituitary gland being ADH, the antidiuretic hormone, and um, the oxytocin. But there are other hormones, very important hormones, that are produced in the hypothalamus. For example, the growth hormone releasing hormone. So I know it sounds a little bit funny, but basically it is the hormone that tells the pituitary gland to produce and to release the growth hormone. So if the pituitary gland has the growth hormone, hormone stimulating hormone then the one that ensures that it is released would be the um, growth hormone releasing hormone another example of another important hormone that is produced in the hypothalamus would be the thyroid releasing hormone trh if the pituitary gland has the thyroid stimulating hormone then the hormone that ensures that the thyroid stimulating hormone is released and produced by the pituitary gland is known as the thyroid releasing hormone produced in the hypothalamus. So basically that is what the hypothalamus does. It produces the hormones 
that communicate with the pituitary gland to let it know to produce the hormones that stimulate the different organs known or different organs known as the as the target organs as we have talked about so that is the function of the hypothalamus it is very very important to ensure that our body actually communicates well and stays within those limits that we need to actually be healthy and go on now going on to the next slide which then we're talking about um directly about the pituitary gland. Now, on the next slide, these are the different hormones that I was talking about. You see the hypothalamus, and then now you see the releasing factors, the hormones that lead on and talk to the pituitary gland to release the hormones that it has or that it needs to produce. As you can see there, for the thyroid, we have the thyrotropin-releasing hormone. Then we have the oxytocin, we have talked about. The vasopressin, which is basically the antidiuretic hormone. Then we have the corticotropin-releasing hormone, somatostatin. The gonadotropin-releasing hormone, the growth hormone-releasing hormone. So you can see even from that names that they're really directly related to the different hormones that we will see in the pituitary gland. Now let's go on to directly talk about the pituitary gland. In the next slide, as you can see here, we have the different hormones that are then produced in the pituitary gland. So um, it basically produces the control of so many different processes in our body and it produces different hormones. It is known as the mustard gland for a reason because these are the different hormones that actually then go on to the different target sites or the other, the other endocrine glands to ensure that they uh, realize that function. So as you can see, the two lobes that I've talked about, the anterior lobe and the posterior lobe, where the posterior lobe would be then just the storing of the oxytocin, which is related to childbirth, breastfeeding, sex and affection and campo bonding, as I've mentioned uh, previously in this lesson. And then we also have the ADH, which basically inhibits urine formation at specific times. This is to say when your body has very little... Um, alcohol or liquid so if you are very thirsty or dehydrated the body responds by saying let's try to store the little bit of um, water that we have by ensuring that there's little uh, or few urine uh, produced by the body and so uh, during that is one of the specific times that we're talking about where this hormone then um, ensures that very little urine is uh, uh, released to ensure that there's little more retention of water in the body. That's just, a, just a, you know, an interesting function of um, ADH, which is then has its target site as the kidney. Now going on to the anterior lobe, which has more hormones, as you can see, we have the prolactin, which stimulates milk production. And so when uh, during pregnancy, breastfeeding, uh, prolactin goes hand in hand with uh, oxytocin. Uh, Going back to the slide, um, then we have the adrenocorticotropic hormone, ACTH, which works in the adrenal cortex. We've touched a little bit about it when we were introducing the different hormones at the very beginning of the lesson. But as you can see now, it's specifically related to the pituitary gland and it is produced here. Then we have the thyroid stimulating hormone. They're produced by um, the thyroid, which goes on to tell and communicate with the thyroid to produce its hormones, which is uh, the T3 and the T4. And then we have the growth hormone, which is very important for our bones and our muscle, the growth of those hormones. So that is basically what the pituitary gland does. It produces these very important stimulating hormones that are necessary to communicate with 
um, the rest of the target organs, the rest of the endocrine glands to ensure that function. Now, going on to the next slide, we have here this beautiful organ known as the ovaries. Now, obviously, through this lesson or through this course, rather, you have talked about menstruation and just the, the, the menstruation cycle as a whole. And now you will see that they are very, the content is quite similar, but now we'll be trying to focus on what the different hormones are actually doing. And if you've touched a bit on it through that lesson, that's still okay. This will then be a beautiful recap and consolid consolidation of that information. Now here, the pituitary gland and the ovaries are the two um, main glands that we'll be talking about here. As you can see, they're very much um, related. And then the next part of the, the, the graph shows the different hormones that are being produced, the follicle-stimulating hormone, the luteinizing hormone, and then estrogen, estrogen and progesterone. So from day one of the menstrual cycle, this is what goes on. You have, where are the levels of estrogen and progesterone? Those levels, both the hormones are low. And then that on its own, creates a signal to the pituitary gland to re release the follicle-stimulating hormone. So as I mentioned through in a little bit in this lesson, that the whole cycle as such works in what is known as feedback loops. They stimulate one another. So if we have low estrogen and progesterone, it informs the pituitary gland to then produce the follicle-stimulating hormone so that it can stimulate the production and the release of estrogen and progesterone by the ovaries. And so that is the beginning of the menstrual cycle, the menstrual, uh, menstruation as such. And so the days keep moving on, moving on, where we see now there's a change in the amount of hormones that are being produced and secreted. As you can see, the rise in the estrogen and the progesterone. But in this first 14 days before we reach the process of ovulation, you will see that estrogen is actually higher than progesterone. So both hormones are increasing, but you reach a point where in the first 14 days, you have the estrogen dominating and is necessary. So the follicle stimulating hormone helps to mature the follicles in the ovary. And remember that a, a follicle is the one that then contains the, the egg, the ovum that we were going to be released during the process of ovulation. And so the ovary then produces estrogen, high quantities of estrogen. So it matures and we reach day 14, ideally, which produces ovulation. And so the uterus begins to prepare itself for a fertilized egg. And so if fertilization happens, which is basically when a sperm fuses with the ovum and we start that whole process, beautiful process of pregnancy, that is when now you will see that um, the uterus is able to receive and it prepares to then house the fertilized egg and develop and the process of a pregnancy. But if that does not happen, that is when now we reach day 28 and the, the walls begin to break down in the uterus and we now start to have what is called menstruation. The uterus lining, you know, it, it, it falls apart. And, and so after day 28, a new cycle begins. But as the corpus luteum reaches those 28 days, it breaks down and starts then to produce less estrogen and progesterone. So as you can see, this is a very important um, joining of how menstruation is such a strongly uh, related to the endocrine system. And it shows the beauty of everything that happens and the influence that the hormones have in the menstruation cycle. And so I really hope I've managed to 
simplify it, to even consolidate that information that you had for the menstrual cycle, explaining how the pituitary gland is so closely related to the ovaries and how these hormones work hand in hand, where the lower they are, they stimulate one another and how that feedback loop, that communication that is necessary to ensure that the body um, functions well through this process of menstruation. And now, if you remember, I did mention one of the syndromes or the diseases that come about when there is a problem with this whole cycle, which is known as the polycystic ovarian system. So basically in the polycystic ovarian system, what happens is that you see in the, those first 14 days where estrogen is produced in great quantities and progesterone in somewhat, you know, I'd say uh, it's produced as well, but not as much. What happens in the polycystic ovarian system is that, uh, ovarian syndrome is that the follicle as such, which contains the ovum, is unable to reach its fully matured stage where then it can go through ovulation. And so it remains right somewhere in the, in the middle where it is a follicle with an ovum, but it does not get to a point where ovulation occurs, a process called, known as anovulation. And so those then remain in the ovary in forms of kisses. And so you'll be having, or rather cysts, then you'll be having cysts, multiple cysts forming because ovulation does not go on to uh, occur and the copious lithium doesn't get to the point where it can then degenerate and be absorbed by the body. And so those cysts go on to stay in the ovary and then un ovulation doesn't go on. And this is caused because estrogen doesn't reach those necessary levels in order to stimulate the pituitary gland to actually produce the luteinizing hormone and lead to ovulation. So if we, the estrogen levels do not reach that high necessary peak that is needed to communicate with the pituitary gland to produce the LH, we do not get ovulation. And that's just one example of uh, the diseases, like I said. And so you will see later on in the challenge, I want you to keep uh, investigating and reading the complementary material to think about what goes on for the other hormones, the other glands, for the diseases to then be formed. And now we're going directly to the ovary. This diagram simulates an ovary to see what goes on. Now, if you start from the, the part just there by the top, which shows the primordial follicles, a woman is born with a certain number of follicles in her ovary from um, the, the get-go, the beginning. And so with each cycle, one of them develops into a primary follicle, then goes on to develop into that uh, preantral follicle developing growing until then we move on as you can see to that uh, pre-ovulatory follicle which is sometimes known as the graphene the um, vesicular and the antral as you can see then it moves on to now the ovulating follicle and all this is necessary with the stimulation of the hormones as we have touched about in the previous slide and then the ovulation occurs and the ovum is released then it moves on to, do, to the development of the corpus lithium, where now we see it going on and then it reaches that uh, point where it is the corpus albicans and then it degenerates. So this is what goes on in the ovary during the, uh, the cycle, the menstrual cycle. Just an inner depth look at it and see how really our bodies are so beautiful, the female body is so beautiful to be able to communicate and just go through this um, process to actually ensure that menstruation does occur. And so let's go on to the next part.
of this lesson, which is the last part, the challenge of this lesson, just to see really if we've understood everything that we have been talking about. I would like to challenge you to review the complementary material linked to this lesson and mention at least four more diseases. Yes, I did not mention all of the diseases and that was intentional because I want you to really just review the information, review what we have learned in this lesson and see the different diseases that arise from hormonal imbalances and dysfunction. Just investigate what happens when we have a low quantity or a higher quantity of the hormone. So what happens when we have more or less of the growth hormone? What happens when we have more or less of testosterone? What happens when the body produces more or less of the thyroid glands? So thank you so much for joining this lesson. I hope you enjoyed it and I wish you all the best with the rest of the course lessons.